Welcome to Illumination by Modern Campus. Through this series, we speak to higher education thought leaders about the trends, ideas, and opportunities that are shaping the future of this industry and pick their brains for best practices and advice that leaders can apply to their own institutions. On this episode, Michelle Bellini, Director of the Center for Innovation in Teaching and Learning at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, sits down with host Amrit Alawalia to discuss how the consolidated administration model to manage CE can benefit the whole institution and why the business of continuing ed is just as important as the academics. Michel, bienvenue. Welcome so, uh, to the Illumination podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. So I, I, I'll tell you, I mean, one of the reasons I, I was so excited that we'd have the opportunity to chat was, you know, your, your insights into uh, some of the challenges and some of the opportunities that come out of being a decentralized uh, institution as, as far as continuing ed goes. And, right. you know, every decade or so we see, it's almost a sine wave where, you know, we kind of go decentralized and then there's an increasing <laughs> movement towards centralization yeah, and then back yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to start off, I mean, before we even get into the centralization, decentralization sure. debate, why are so many colleges and universities today trying to figure out pathways to serve non-traditional learners? Uh, that's a, uh, it's a bit of a complex question if you ask me, but, you know, uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would lie if I would not say that perhaps one of the, you know, primary reason is to try to find ways to generate new revenue. Uh, for, for the institution. I mean, that's definitely in, in the back of the mind of every leaders, uh, you know, colleges and central administration. Um, it's a complicated question because, you know, as higher institution, we have that mission of educating our kids, right? And students and, you know, beyond just the four years uh, curriculum. So, I, you know, I'd like to believe that there's also you know, the, you know, one of the main reasons is to also provide education to individuals who either were never, you know, never been able to approach our type of education and we want to be there for them as well. Provide, you know, students who could not finish perhaps their, their uh, college degree to, to finish it. I mean, there are a variety of reasons that I think are not necessarily tied to revenue generation. But at the end of the day, I think, when we put everything into, into, into perspective, there is such a level of investment to think about doing to do continuing education the right way that it's impossible if, if you ask me to discuss uh, doing continuing education the right way without having uh, underlying all the discussions, are we gonna be profitable? Are we gonna be able to you know, even if you just break even, right? I mean, can, can we break even? It, we, it's not a value proposition where you, you, you end up losing money uh, because uh, the investment is too substantial these days. So I think perhaps the primary reason is really revenue generation. That's really interesting. And, and when you think about, I mean, what it takes to be successful right. in right. continuing ed or in professional yeah. education, yeah. we call it, I guess, broadly sure. non-credit, how important is it to be able to balance sort of academic priorities and standards with sort of a business mindedness around um, the selection of programming, the, the design of programming? Um, where, how, do you, how do you balance the need to be accessible and, you know, uh, accessible and oriented towards the community while at the same time being, being revenue generated? 
This is a million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah, uh, literally. Uh, the balancing is a, it's, it's a very difficult art, right? Um, especially at, uh, you know, top tier research one institutions where definitely um, the, I would say the, the true value of an own institution, I mean, the true value, one of the added value of an own institution when I think about what we provide students when they come to our campus as undergrad is really to have our kids being taught by the top scholars, in other words. Um, and to me, this, this, this is what provides that flavor of our one, you know, uh, decentralized uh, institution flavor that we have. I mean, how do we provide our kids really a sense that they're being taught by the top scholars mm-hmm. uh, with quality and perhaps at scale? And, you know, when I think about quality, scalability, affordability, these are things that don't go well together necessarily. I mean, we, I think most of us can do two of those things, you know, well, doing all of them at the same time, it's a very, very complicated value proposition. And, and at, at institution where, you know, um, a, um, the, pri- you know the primary mission, of course, is uh, teaching our, our students, traditional and non-traditional learners, but also we are, you know, we are here to uh, invent the new academic knowledge as well, right? So we are torn between the, the two primary missions here. And uh, how do we really balance the fact that we, we, we need to have um, a way to um, enable faculty to uh, somewhat understand the need to reach out to those non-traditional learners and, and, and enable them to uh, provide them with quality education uh, as well as the one that we are providing to, to the more traditional learners on our campus, right? And online, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not, I mean, I'm, it looks like I'm evading your question to some extent. I'm, I'm not answering it directly here. Uh, but um, I'm going to try to, to refocus myself by, by saying that um, um, it is, you know, when I look at, at our institution, for instance, we have, you know, top colleges, top scholars, um, and, you know, me being one of those faculty, um, I was not taught as a postdoc to teach non-traditional learners, for instance. Mm-hmm. I was barely taught how to teach our traditional learners. So. And, and when we think about uh, departing from what we have been, uh, you know, living and breathing in the academic setting, suddenly when we have been asked to do something that is departing from that traditional path, it, it makes it quite difficult for the, the entire institution to move forward, you know, as with a unified plan and a good understanding of what needs to be provided to, to those students, you know, with quality and with scalability in mind, right? So I'm not sure if I answered your question really, but... Um... Well, I think you you highlighted what the considerations are, which is, I think, right. as, as good as, as far as really anyone's <laughs> likely to get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned that, you know, you at the University of, of Illinois, you guys are in mm. a, a decentralized environment. Yeah. So what are some of the core challenges in trying to approach the non-traditional market with a decentralized continuing ed model? Right, right, right. Well, I think um, perhaps uh, is the, perhaps one of the, the most challenging aspects for, for colleges is the fact that they need to put in place uh, the administration and support needed to really understand uh, that continuing slash professional education space, right? 
like I said, um, it's not immediately clear how you change the, the culture of, of the faculty and how you put in place and invest wisely and effectively into the processes that need to be put in place, you know, to enable um, uh, effective deployment of, you know, uh, online programs for non-traditional learners. Um, and so I think it behooves us to really think about uh, how we uh, uh, how we come up with a consolidated central administration. So in my mind, you know, I get a lot of thought about you know how to rehab the colleges, and in my mind, there are ways of uh, you know providing central supports to essentially enable autonomous, decentralized uh, um, non-traditional learner, learner programs, right? And by that, I mean, you know, I, I can easily envision uh, U of I, for instance, really going towards uh, putting together an effective uh, uh, consolidated administration that would take care of, you know, all the different administrative and support services that need to be put in place to have effective recruitment, enrollment, uh, support of those prospective students, for instance, services, right? Seeing that, no matter what disciplines you are offering, uh, these are common cores that needs to be really developed at scale and effectively. And so if you have that in place, then you can tell the colleges that, that they, they are free to think about what uh, programs and what in, in what uh, aspect of the program needs to be developed. So you provide them with, with that autonomy, the academic, you know, um, they own the academic side of those programs but we are providing them with an effective consolidated administration that help them actually, it removes the burden from them to really come up with that, with that yeah. with those solutions. I think that's the best way that, you know, a decentralized campus like you might, you know, could and perhaps, perhaps should be moving towards. So if we ever want to have a shot at um, doing it the right way. Uh, so that's perhaps, perhaps it's one of the, biggest challenge, which is, you know, uh, not having the right um, um, support structure in place at the moment. Um, this is why, to some extent, the center like the, you know, Center for Innovation in Teaching and Learning that I'm leading put, put in place, you know, more than six years ago, a, a strong marketing team that helped them to do market research and then marketing campaigns and help them, you know, put in place uh, AI-driven solutions for their recruitment and nurturing of the prospective students. But that in my mind should be falling into that consolidated administration I was talking about. So that's one, one big challenge. The second challenge I would say is perhaps again, the nature of uh, our, you know, uh, our one institution flavor, right? Our faculty uh, don't necessarily have that uh, state of mind of teaching, uh, you know, non-traditional learners. Um, it is already quite difficult to be, uh, you know, great teacher uh, for traditional learners. It's not necessarily what we have in mind. And there is still that concept that if you're going to teach for non-traditional learners, it's not that important for them because we are the academic uh, knowledge, right? Um, so there is that barrier, that change of culture that needs to happen um, within uh, our own faculty body. And that's going to take some time, but I can see that slowly but surely evolving towards the uh, 
toward that state. I mean, definitely, uh, you know, one of the lessons learned from, from having to go through that pandemic, you know, uh, COVID-19 is the fact that suddenly all of them had to get a flavor of teaching remotely, right? And yeah. so they suddenly understand that there is a way to reach out to students whenever they are, wherever they are, uh, and, and uh, you know, effectively. So they, you know, slowly but surely, the, the, the state of mind of our faculty are evolving. And I think that with offering um, better support centrally will we'll, uh, we'll have an impact on how well we can actually up our game when it comes to um, non-traditional learners. Absolutely. You know, what's, what's fascinating about uh, your, you know, as you talk about the consolidated administration mm-hmm. model and its capacity is mm-hmm. that you're also highlighting the benefits of a decentralized continuing ed model, because in mm-hmm. a decentralized model, um, mm-hmm. you still have the opportunity for each faculty to drive and to develop programming yeah. that they feel is relevant, Absolutely. that they know is, is ideal for their, yes. like it's faculty oriented, but yes. it's student centric because the business processes are, are designed for yeah. the learners. Now, yeah. So I'm going to ask you how we get to there, but before we get to that, and and so this will give you a second to think about that, but before we get to it, um, you know, how, how important is it to be able to convince faculty of the challenge of effective business processes and effective business management when you're trying to create this kind of environment? Because effectively what, what you're laying out is that, you know, the business part of running a continuing ed operation is as important as the academic part. So yes, in that you need absolutely. academic experts, you also need business experts. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think it's absolutely essential that we, we make them understand the importance of having the right business model. Um, you know, and I can speak by experience. Um, when I started as an assistant professor, I was really living in my, what I would call the, the faculty bubble, right? What I had in mind was, my research lab, uh, writing grants, uh, you know, getting my teaching lined up, uh, doing, you know, my services, doing, you know, I was following the, uh, what my department head was telling me to go through tenure, things like that, right? So I was, but, and I was really not caring much about the rest, you know, of, of the campus. To me, it was, I was living really in what I call my bubble, my faculty bubble, which was, um, I was recruited to really work on, on, my, on my topics. I'm gonna to do the best I can. I'll teach my students on what they're truly like and, and they should come to me because it's my discipline. It's super important for me. It should be super important for them, right? This, this was my, my state of mind. Uh, and then uh, I, I kind of burst my, my, I started to burst my faculty bubble when I became uh, the, uh, after tenure, I became the associate director for undergraduate studies in my, in my school. And suddenly I realized, oh my lord, tuition of our students funds quite a lot of the <laughs> the, 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 the school, right? So you know, suddenly you start asking yourself, what are we doing really for our students, things like that. Uh, but you know, to some extent, I never thought about uh, until until uh, I developed the center for innovation in teaching and learning about how, you know what is truly important for our for our students, you know, and and how how to make it happen. Uh, the right way. And when I realized how much it costs and, and you know, the investment that, are, that, are, that have to be put in to really do quality education, I just realized, oh my Lord, I had no idea. You know, so suddenly <laughs> when, when, when you put it this way, 
you know, when someone comes to me and say, hey, what about a program? I'd like to develop my master in X, Y, and Z. I'm not going to quote anyone because <laughs> they may be listening, right? And then you say, okay, let's, let's see what are the prospect of enrollment. And you say, uh, you know, you're going to have perhaps, you know, five students a year. Uh, it's going to, you're never going to break even. And suddenly they, they, they don't understand what I mean by you're never going to break even. I say, so then I line it up. I say, look, I did a lot of cost, activity cost basing, uh, activity based costing, sorry, of, of what it takes to develop a program. This is how much we're going to have to invest. Uh, what do you think? Right. And mm -hmm. suddenly it opens up a different work for them. Uh, and, 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 and oftentimes they even think about, yeah, but I'm going to generate revenue. Yes, but is that going to be a profit or is it going to be, yeah. in, in other words, you know, we, we never think yeah. about it this way. To us, teaching is part of what we are supposed to do as part of the academic world. We don't, and we teach what we know the best because it's important for the kids to learn about it. We don't really care about you know what it takes to to make it happen. This is what we say. This is the job of the administration to support us, right? And so, but when we if we want to get into that you know non-traditional learning space the right way at scale with quality, I think it behooves us to have a deep understanding of what it means uh, in terms of not just the quality of the program themselves, but what it means to develop a program, uh, advertise it the right way, market it the right way, support it the right way, and how you know we need to put in place all the structure needed to get the data out of, we need to be able to inform the program director, you're doing great, or you know this is some of the things that they need to change. And definitely they need to understand that we need to reinvest in that program if that program wants to be sustained. So these are notions that we don't think about you know, at an institution like U of I, when, when you are, you know, deeply involved in your scholarship. Uh, and it, like I said, it behooves us to really explain to, to the faculty the, the value proposition of doing it all. Uh, there is also, um, yeah, I hope that answered your question, Amrit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, one of the benefits, I think, and perhaps we discussed it in the past too, but in my mind, the other, the other thing that I've, that could be possible. Maybe you're gonna tell me I'm crazy, but you know, uh, one of the challenges uh, that I've been uh, facing sometimes is to tell faculty, you know, those companies, those firms are looking for this type of expertise. And usually when I get back from the faculties, who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to teach? And this is aligned with what I just told you, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so there may be, you know, that decentralized flavor of, of uh, you know, uh, non-traditional learners uh, education may be perhaps a great opportunity to tell the faculty, tell the units, hey, you know, since you are the one defining or inventing that academic knowledge, you should be better informed than anybody else of what's coming next. Instead of waiting for the, the, the company to tell you what you need to teach students, why don't you tell the corporate world, hey guys, this is coming up from us. I think you should start thinking about programs that will you know, prepare your, your, your workforce better because what we're working on will change 
x, y, and z. You so suddenly we revert the value proposition. You tell the faculty, why don't you influence them rather than them influencing you? And for faculty, I can tell you that's going to be a much better value proposition. Um, and, and in my mind too, it's, it's another way to really enable, a, a, you know, you know that, that what people refer to as, as the 60 year curriculum, right? I mean, how, how cool would it be to be able to say, you know, when you get to a college, let's say College of LAS or College of AHS, whatever, right? One of those colleges, the Dean welcomes the students and say, kids, you're not signing up for just four years. So, you know, we're going to be here for you guys throughout your career. We will make a point of really anticipating what your needs going to be throughout your career. So, you know, when you have a need, come back to us. We'll be there for you. So, and in my mind, that happens. This is a unique opportunity to decentralize campuses like UVI because suddenly you have, it's coming from the colleges, not from an independent college or school that don't necessarily interact well with the academic units, right? It's coming directly from the academic units and that has a completely different flavor to the learners. Um, so that's, that's yeah. That would be a one, one great benefit of the decentralization. Absolutely. So, I mean, to your mind, who needs yep. to drive the bus on establishing <laughs> a consolidated administration model? Like, I mean, getting getting from here to there is a, a complex pathway, I know, but who, yeah. who should be championing this at, at, at every or any decentralized institution? Well, um, I think it should be, um, if you want to see that stuff happen, it should be a Definitely championed by offices like the provost, the, the office of the provost, uh, the, the office that, that are there for um, ensuring the academic uh, mission of, of the campus. So though, though that unit should have that more top-down approach of saying, this is what we need to do. We're going to help you put together, you know, that administration that will support you effectively. So you don't have to think about doing it. But of course, they need to do it in concert with the leaders of the, the colleges, obviously, the academic units, right? And um, I don't think it would be wise for any provost or any, uh, you know, vice provost to say, hey, this is what we're going to do and you don't have any choice, right? Because already most of our colleges have invested and, and some of them are way ahead, you know, of, of others when it comes to professional education and continuing education. So we cannot necessarily ask them to suddenly completely change what they are doing, right? So it's gonna to have to be, so one, we need to learn from those leaders. And I think some of the colleges here on campus are truly leading that space. You know, what can we learn from their experience uh, and what can be actually uh, emulated uh, in the centralized uh, but consolidated administration that is not there to steal away whatever has been done, right? Because this is sometimes what you know, central administration have to deal with. There's a sense that they want to centralize, they want to own that space. So that's going to have, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, communication skills going to have to be, uh, to be uh, developed here. But um, a lot of communication, a lot of, of, of discussions to be happened. But at the end of the day, if, if there's a clear mission, a clear vision of what will come out, if we can produce that central administration, uh, I think, uh, you know, sky's the limit, right? And it will definitely be appealing to the colleges who cannot actually afford or are behind the curve when it comes to 
professional and, and continuing education. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Michelle, that pretty much does it on our end. Just one question oh, okay. that I'm, I'm, I like to ask is, sure. as we close, now that folks sure. are traveling again, yeah. if someone was to find themselves in Urbana-Champagne, yeah. what's the restaurant that they should seek out? <laughs> well, there's a great uh, Italian restaurant that I haven't been to, but everybody's asking me to go because they know I'm, you know, I was born in Italy, I grew up in France, so I'm kind of picky about, about the food. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of European arrogance. Uh, so, so there's one great restaurant that everybody is asking me to go to, but I haven't been yet. It's called Nando. It's it's an Italian restaurant. So if you have either, if you go there, go there. Binintan, go there. But if you like, uh, uh, you know, other type of foods, I mean, we have. I need to advertise a uh, the uh, the restaurant that uh, the son of my associate director for. Uh, the online production is all about. It's the restaurant is called Watson. So if you ever been in town, go to Watson. You're gonna get great food and great drinks. Well, there you go, Michelle. <laughs> thank you so much for your sure. time. Merci bien, and yeah, merci. Uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Modern Campus in partnership with the Evolution. Modern Campus empowers higher ed institutions to thrive when radical change is required to deal with lower student enrollments and revenue, rising costs, crushing student debt, and even school closures. Powered by the industry's only student-first modern learner engagement platform, Modern Campus supports every corner of the modern institution, from continuing and workforce education, to student affairs, to the registrar's office, to marketing and IT. To find out more on how you can transform your institution to meet the needs of the modern learner, visit moderncampus.com. That's moderncampus.com.